It's Monday the 16th of November and I'm pleased to be catching up with Derek Munn, RCST's Director of Policy and Public Affairs for our regular monthly catch-up. We're doing this socially distanced from our home still nine months later so I apologise if you hear um, sound of a dog barking or a bin lorry or I'm near a secondary school so we often hear sounds of pupils merrily walking along the road. Okay um, so thank you for joining me today Derek. I think one of the key things that's obviously still a big issue is Covid. And I wonder, how do you think, how does COVID continue to affect speech and language therapists and uh, speech and language therapy provision? Thanks, Vicky. Yeah, we, I mean, we record this with the, with the second wave or the second spike still well underway. And therefore, it continues to affect the profession and the people we work with and for right across the piece. So once again, most obviously, there's pressure on people who work in intensive care and other acute settings, not least because they're not getting the same level of other staff being brought in that they were the first time around. And people are working incredibly long hours, people are incredibly tired and need, need support there. We've also, though, in the evolution of the novel care pathway for the novel condition called COVID-19, still got new developments. And long COVID, as it's called, where people continue to have symptoms for many months is the latest one. And we're needing to engage with the, the work that's going on quickly now to work out what that means and how that's best treated. Redeployment remains an issue across the piece, particularly around children. And we think we've reached a point uh, in England where we do finally have a ministerial injunction that you shouldn't be redeploying speech and language therapists away from SLT. But there's been all sorts of challenges about going into schools, particularly for people working in the independent sector. We need to keep on top of that. We have now launched something I've spoken about previously, which is a service user survey available in all sorts of accessible formats to try and allow people with communication and swallowing needs to tell their story of speech and language therapy before, during and after COVID-19. And that's going to be incredibly important to us going forward. We've also been doing member surveys and my colleague um, Rachel Perkett could come on one time and give you chapter and verse on the member survey, but I, I would certainly pull out the importance of members' health and well-being and the self-care that goes along with that as something which we are acutely aware of and aware of the need to focus on going forward. Okay, thank you. So, of course, as, as well as that general stuff around COVID, we know that the four nations of the UK are in various different states of lockdown and restrictions. Um, what would you say to speech and language therapists about dealing with this uncertainty? Uh, you're right. Guidance is changing constantly. It's changing at short notice and it will vary in each of the four nations. So looking at the RCSLT website, looking at the weekly monitoring bulletin where we, we give you the latest links is critical. Now, I've already mentioned redeployment as one example. Uh, another would be as I mentioned, working in schools during lockdown, the second lockdown, that evolved even in the course of last week. So in the 10 days since the second lockdown began in England, we've seen an evolution in the guidance around working in schools, partly in response to questions that we're asking on behalf of members. So it's fast moving stuff. Linking to what I was previously saying about health and well-being as well, there are resources available, uh, both on the RCSLT website, on the NHS websites in each nation, around resilience and around supporting yourself and that key message which is being put forward that at times during this it's okay not to be okay and the 
the support that you need with that is available. Thank you. Are there any campaigns or pieces of work coming up which you're excited to share with members? Uh, I'll mention several. First of all, members will know that we've been working for a long time on the communication access symbol. The project now goes under the name of CAUK, Communication Access UK, and we're delighted that that has now finally gone live. And thanks to you, Vicky, for, for part of what you did in making that a reality. So the website is there, the e-learning is there, the ability as an individual or an organisation to register, do the training and be accredited is there. And around the launch of that, we had a roundtable with business leaders that you can listen to and a number of case studies from partner organisations. So that's up and running and we're really, really pleased. And in some bits of the country, you may even have seen and post a couple of billboards if you've been out and about, if you're com committed to be so. Diversity and anti-racism, we've talked about a lot again on the podcasts. Um, that continues to be a priority as, as the, the particular focus on Black Lives Matter in the spring moves further away. We have not forgotten. We said we were committed to anti-racism for the long haul, and that's what we meant. We're currently putting together a range of resources dealing with different topics, which will form part of an online event for members who want to, to know more about how they can play their part in anti-racism and we're pleased to see that coming together and of course we remain concerned across the piece about quality and diversity and we will this month be convening uh, the next of our diversity groups which will focus particularly on disability within the profession. A couple of things on the policy side we've been working for a couple of years with Public Health England around early language guidance and we're delighted that's now out it goes under the name of best start in speech, language and communication. And you know, it essentially says to the system, you should be jointly commissioning children's speech and language therapy services at local level. We're also pleased that the Justice Committee in the House of Commons has recently put its support into children and young people in the justice system, directly quoting our evidence and our asks, both in respect of intermediaries and also the importance of supporting children in justice settings like courts to understand what's going on. Thank you. That's really interesting. Um, and are there any other things going on in politics that members need to know about? Well, there's always a lot going on in politics. It's the, the, if we're talking about Brexit, I don't know, the change of tone that we're being told about in respect of the UK government, even if there's not a direct impact on the health system or the education system or SLT, obviously these things are taking up time and energy, which could otherwise be spent dealing with, I don't know, the health workforce, because we know that there are massive workforce issues in health and care, and we're continuing to, to lobby around those, both the capacity, um, but also the recognition for people for what they've done and feeling thanks for what they've done. Of course, you're trying to make those points at the same time as the politicians are focused on Brexit and focused on inter internal wrangling with their, within their own political party and whatever it might be. We're also very aware that the Scottish and Welsh elections are coming up next May and continuing our preparation for those. The Royal College of Speech and Language Therapists is 75 years old this year, and I'm sure you've heard me say that many times, and we're having a year-long celebration. This month's theme is science, research and innovation. So Derek, what impresses you about the work of speech and language therapists in these areas? Thanks, Vicky. Yes, and obviously when we were planning the 75th anniversary year, we never anticipated it would be overtaken by external events in the way it has been. But I'm delighted that every month on the podcast you, you bring us back to it because it's an important thing. Of course. And 
Yes, I mean, the speech language therapy profession, I think you know, we talk a lot about perceptions of the profession externally, what people know and don't know. And of course, part of that is sometimes a, a lack of understanding more widely in society about the fact that there is an evidence base. This is a science profession with a passion for demonstrating outcome. And we relate to that in the language we use. If we look, for example, at careers material and recruitment material to encourage people to study SLT, yes, of course, people need empathy, but we emphasize the fact that this is, this is a scientific discipline and has that rigor alongside care. And you know, I've mentioned already the, the, the fast development of the evidence base this year, which has been so impressive around COVID-19, aerosol generation, intubation, endoscopy, the cognitive aftermath. In all of these areas, just the most recent example of the way the speech and language therapy is stepping up live on the job to contribute to the science and evidence. Yes, that's been impressive to watch. Okay, is there anything you wanted to add? I look forward to seeing you next month. Okay, thank you very much. See you next month for our December catch-up. Thanks a lot. Bye.